This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 243 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, welcome back, Reese. Thanks, Phil. It's <laughs> nice to be home. You're back. You're back from all I your travels. Back. I am. I am. We had an amazing two weeks in South Africa. It really was a life-changing um, trip. It was wonderful and met some great people. And of course, horse people always meet horse people. And so I met some really cool horse people that I wasn't planning on meeting. One uh, young lady, uh, she, and hopefully she's listening to the show. Hi, Riza. She, um, uh, has show jumpers, but they own a banana farm in South Africa. So of course I went to her barn and, and we talked horses, which was fun. After two weeks, I needed to touch a horse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. Uh, really the highlight of the trip was we went to Kruger national park and we saw the big five, which is a really big deal there. You don't always is, get to deal. go. Yeah, it's a big deal. We saw elephants and we had a rhinoceros literally walk right behind our safari vehicle. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, we saw Cape Buffalo. We saw a leopard. Actually, we saw two leopards. Uh, which is unheard of. They are really Lucky. hard. Yeah, hard I see a leopard. Yeah, I know, and we there. saw two. We Jeez. saw two. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and it was really, really, truly a life changing trip. And I, you know, saw a lot. And you know, what's amazing about farmers is you know we're all same people, same type of people uh, that either take care of animals or or take care of the land. And hard workers. So, hard workers. And it's the same in South Africa as it is here. So it was really a wonderful trip. And um, it was very cold here while I was gone. So I, I didn't feel too bad about uh, being gone. Um, it's still very cold here. And now we still can't ride horses, but uh, uh, it was it was just a great trip. And it's nice to be home. And, and I came back nice and energized and ready to get back to work. So Well, good. Yeah. I'm glad you're back because like, know, doing the show you. is... is I didn't do it on my own, and if you didn't come back, I don't know what I was going <laughs> to do. You were going to do it on find a different co-host or something. Aww, I don't know. Thanks, but, Phil. <laughs> but uh, that's great, and uh, we've yeah, got a great show lined up. Who have we got today? We do. We have a really, really good show. Um, we have, for our highlight of the Global Dressage Forum North America, we have Jochen Schleser, and he's going to talk uh, about his book and what he's going to be talking about the forum in a couple Give weeks. Give us a little uh, preview for his yes. discussion on the forum, so that's awesome. Exactly. And then we have Megan McIsaac. Yeah. Um, she's going to talk to us. She went, she's our reporter. She's also a, a friend and an FEI trainer from Wisconsin. She's going to talk a little bit about what, what happened at the FEI nor, uh, Succeed USDF conference. So that'll be really fun. And a little and bit of Canada news. We have Del yes. De Desi Dillingham, special advisor to Dressage Canada. She's got some uh, really cool fundraising efforts and education stuff going on in Wellington right now. I mean, I know our whole shows are just de dedicated to Wellington at the moment because there's so much going on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about herself and uh, her role uh, within Dressage Canada and uh, some of the stuff that's going on. Um, in Wellington to do with, you know, Dressage Canada and our team and some events uh, that are open to everybody. So uh, more education stuff. Um, she's also going to be talking at uh, the Global Dressage Forum North America. 
So uh, I think for the next few weeks, at least these these shows are going to be jam packed because we're just going to be promoting all these things and uh, getting people on, and then um, we're heading to Florida. So. I know. I can't wait. I'm really excited for our learning journey um, <laughs> here in a few weeks. So it'll be really fun. I'm sure Phil and I, of course, we always have a great time and, and we'll get to see some friends and uh, but really do some work and do some kind of professional development, which, you know, we're trying to really uh, we do that here on the show, as you guys know. And um, we want to encourage everyone to to think about either going to Wellington or, or, or even doing a lot of or some research online uh, on some different sites. So, uh, yeah, should be lots of fun. So Phil, just on that note, there are some other uh, news going on in Florida. Just we wanted to bring some events that are going on. Um, And this is a website, experiencedressage.com, which I talked a little bit about this summer. I went to their unveiling of that website at, um, I think it was the the festival that was here in the fall. But it's experiencedressage.com. Go on that website. And basically what it is, is it's, there's a launch party. And it's a website, uh, it's USEF High Performance Dressage Owners Task Force. And there'll be a reception sort of introducing that website. And the website is, the aim of this website is connecting U.S. high performance riders with potential owners and syndicates. The task force aims to broaden U.S. horse ownership development and maintain owner awareness and appreciation to enhance the experience of horse ownership at all levels. So I hope that everybody takes a look at that and, and our owners, uh, that, that you take a look at it. It's a really cool concept. And, um, I hope somebody, you know, you take a little bit of time to take a look at that. Awesome. Yeah. And I guess there's some, some, some more clinics and educational opportunities coming up with the, uh, USCF and USCT foundation dressage pipeline clinic. And, uh, maybe Reese, you can tell us a little bit about that. Sure. This is a, another great experience that, that's sponsored by Betsy Giuliano and Haven Safe Farm. And Betsy is is a friend of mine, but also just a wonderful lady. And she's very giving. And um, th- these are clinics. It's a unique opportunity to witness U.S. dressage pipeline of riders, horses in action all together in one clinic. All four dressage coaches will be working together to demonstrate the harmonization and the coaching pro, uh, programs in the U.S. Robert Dover, U.S. Technical Advisor and Chief, uh, Chef to Keep, Debbie McDonald, Developing Coach, Scott Hassler, National Young Horse Coach, and Jeremy Steinberg, USCF Youth Coach. Um, and the clinic will take place January 28th through 29th in Wellington at the Global Grounds, starting at 9.30 to 4, and auditors are encouraged, and there's a registration. Um, that you can find online for that. So I hope everyone who is in Wellington takes advantage of that because, again, an awesome opportunity. And I'm sad that I'm not there. (laughs) (laughs) But next year. It'll be okay. Yeah, you know, we've taken a year off from traveling all the way down (laughs) south, eh? Yes, exactly. Well, another exciting news, I guess, that was while you were gone. Um, You know, some, some of our listeners may have seen it on the internet, but you won a scholarship program or um, some money from uh, USCF? Yes, I did. I did. It's from the Dressage Foundation, actually. And um, we've had the Dressage Foundation has come on before. And um, this will actually help my Florida adventure next year to to make everything happen. But I won the um, Lindgren Scholarship. And it's uh, actually the total Lindgren Scholarship is a $10,000 award. And uh, I was it helps to provide financial support to enable dressage instructors to train in a concentrated amount of time to improve teaching, right? and training. 
Um, so I was lucky enough. I won the $6,000 grant, um, which was wonderful. And that's available for certified instructors, um, to receive. And then Gina Durham and Jamie Kement, they won a $2,000 scholarship each. Uh, so thank you, Dressage Foundation. And, um, you know, we, we try to bring these opportunities to everybody on the show. Uh, the Dressage Foundation is a great place. Um, really when you, you know, I've, I wanted uh, to have this grant, uh, for two of my horses, uh, to kind of continue. And this will, this will really help me financially to make that happen. So that was, that was fun. And, and I'm looking forward to it. And and keep and keep. Uh, I'll keep everybody apprised on on what's going to happen. But I'll use it uh, this time next year. Is the plan? Awesome. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so very good. Well, how about uh, Phil? After this commercial break, um, we will go to Desi Dillingham and to find out what's going on with Dressage Canada. The Global Dressage Forum North America, the ultimate educational experience where champions meet. After this winter, who won't want to be in Wellington, Florida for the second annual Global Dressage Forum North America, presented by DressageClinic.com. Mark your calendars and book your plane tickets for the event of the season, Saturday, February 15th and Sunday, February 16th at the Jim Brandon Center. Some of the world's most recognized dressage experts and educators, including Stefan Clark, international rider Jan Brink, Conrad Schumacher, Christoph Hess, and many, many more will be presenting onstage demonstrations, lectures, interactive discussions, and panels consisting of some of the world's most internationally recognized trainers and judges. Did we mention the shopping in the warm Florida sun in February? The Global Dressage Forum North America 2014 is presenting the highest profile educational gathering ever to be held in North America, encouraging every dressage rider from across the U.S. and Canada to come and participate in this gathering representing dressage education in its finest form. Buy your tickets now as seating is limited. Be sure to use the coupon code USDF, the number 4, DFNA. That's USDF, the number 4, DFNA, all caps, for a big savings on your tickets. Visit the website today at globaldressageforumna.com or call them at 561-909-7621. That's 561-909-7621. Let them know you heard about it on the Dressage Radio Show. Well, today I'd love to welcome Desi, Desi Dillingham, the special advisor to Dressage Canada, to the show. Welcome, Desi. Delighted to be here, Philip. Great. Um, I guess I'd like to start the interview with uh, about talking with you about your role to what is the special advisor to Dressage Canada? Uh, pulling a team of experts together. We have limited funds, as everyone knows, with our problems in, in uh, London. We lost our on-the-podium funding. So as well as trying to assist the team, I'm having to head up the fundraising element as well and encourage and lead and, you know, that sort of thing. Everyone that will willing to come forward to help. Excellent. And what, and what is your um, background, Desi, in, in being able to, to bring this all together? Um, well, I'm a Canadian, born in Montreal, and my aunt was Barbara Kemp, who built the Olympic three-day events course in Montreal, first woman ever to have the opportunity uh, to build an Olympic course. Um, 
I, I was born with a pony waiting for me. And we had 30 horses all my life, and we showed, we hunted, we did everything, mostly invented. And then I got the opportunity to be transferred to England for one year and I, in 1973, and I thought, great, it'll give me a year to, you know, get away from horses or, you know, because my life had been so completely governed by a family with 30 horses, you don't have much spare time, as you can probably gather. Yes, exactly. And, um, yeah. I went to England, yeah. And I was transferred there with a Canadian company. And I never looked back. I'm afraid I failed because, of course, I got into horses like there was no tomorrow. And I've been there for 40 years. Yeah, well, it follows you around, I guess. It's kind of a kind yeah, of an yeah, illness, yeah, being yeah. being around horses and with horses. So, Well, it's a passion. And it actually, it was great because as soon as I got away from horses, I realized how much I missed them and how much I loved them. <laughs> so, you know, there was no problems there and I got back in on a different way in England and I started off just in London and would teach riding in, in Kensington Palace Gardens or the Knightsbridge Barracks and it built a really good life for me because I was with a Canadian company called Drake International and was running 18 cities in the UK, four in Switzerland, five in Germany and our head office is Monte Carlo. So I got to see Europe on an expense account which is wow. what really appealed to me. <laughs> yes, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And then it took me about 10 years. I just pottered around, really, with horses. And then 10 years later, I met Jenny Lauriston Clark at a lunch. And that was just as I was opening my own company. And I started to sponsor her from 1984. And I sponsored her for 18 years. And she's Britain's top dressage woman. Yes, yes. I think uh, a lot so of our listeners should I know about up. Jenny Lauriston. Yeah, a real... Uh... Yeah, yeah. And then really my strength was a fundraiser and, and a party person and making it fun. And uh, in um, 1984, I was invited on to the Olympic fundraising under Mark Phillips. And so I did that straight through to the year 2000 until uh, just Olympic fundraising, which was wonderful fun. We had a great team up until 2000 when UK sports funding and lottery funding came in. And that was my first committee. Then I took over the supporters of dressage in 1990. And I took the membership from about 100 to 3,000 in six years. Then in 1995, I took on, I went to British Dressage as their marketing person. And then, um, but I mean, I'm still running my own business. These are none, none of these are paid jobs. Obviously, it's just voluntary. And then um, I was leaving that because I was setting up the supporters of British Greeting in 1990. Six and lo and behold, British dressage. Well, it wasn't British dressage, but it got into some financial difficulties, and all of the uh, other disciplines were setting themselves up on their own, and dressage couldn't go um, because we didn't quite have the funding. So, someone asked me to take it over just for six months to see if I could do it, and I was with two other friends, and we had a ball. We had a lovely time, but we were able to turn it around in six months get it on a profitable basis. And then the membership said they really wanted to go it alone. So then I was told I couldn't possibly leave for the next six months. And that turned into 10 years. Wow. But I took the, the membership from 5,000 to 15,000. And we went from coming last in the world to 
well, I left in 2007 and became president of the British Horse Society, but I'm still a vice president of British Dressage. And of course, in 2012, we beat the world. Yeah, gold gold medal. It was uh, incredible to watch. Gold team and individual gold and individual bronze. Excellent. So, Dressage Canada is very lucky to have you. Yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm only as good as my last medal, as they say, but I, it's amazing because, you know, you always come back to your roots, don't you? I'm having a lovely time and we've been following all the Canadian horses and I have to say, obviously the sport's moved on since I got involved with British Dressage, but I am absolutely delighted by the quality of the horses, the quality of the riders, the enthusiasm of the riders. I'm really impressed with a lot of the training in this country, and I'm really very positive about where we are. We've had wonderful response to the Florida Fortnight. We had 85 people last night at our opening for, it was the media presentation. Excellent. We've got all the... I'm just writing my notes right now. We've got a fantastic vet panel today with um, some of the top vets in the world. We've got Dr. Jeff Burden, we've got Brendan Furlong, and we've got Dr. Caroline Weinberg, and uh, one other by the name of Natasha Werpe. And, you know, we've got, I think, 35, 40 people coming to this talk. Fantastic. It it moves on. Yeah, yeah. Most of our things are 35, 30... Sorry, I was just going to say, if you could tell us a little bit about how how the Fortnite came about and the idea and the concept around it, and then we can talk a little bit more about the specifics of of what's going on over the next two weeks. What happened is that in March last year, 2013, I was invited to be a guest speaker in Florida at uh, Dressage Canada's conference. They were having a a think tank of the way forward, etc., having the status changed with the loss of red revenue. And anyway, but I just stood up and talked and I said that my vision was that you needed to bring everyone to a common ground because of the size of the country. And I have to say a winter that is quite unforgiving. And I suggested that Florida be the place because so many, and I mean, we did look, you know, I I've had a lot of people say, well, why not California? But when you take a look, you say, number one, there's six, you know, CDIs in California and there's nine in Florida. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, Florida, you can come down to in December and everything is within, you know, a stone's throw of each other. California starts mid-Feb and it's also um, can be a couple of hundred miles between events. And the prize money in California is not as good as Florida. And when we took a look at the horses, came the horses from california come to florida the horses from florida don't appear to go back to compete in california so that's why florida won the bid (laughs) right sort of yeah i mean and so many of our riders you know i know from ontario um already have established businesses you know kind of in wellington and they've been going for many years so it kind of makes sense yep yep exactly exactly Exactly. So, you know, I just made this suggestion and said, that's what I saw. And um, they said, what I think is coming back to help. Oh, I see. And I said, well, I'm having, I don't come back. I live in England and I'm not going to change that, obviously, because I've right. been there that long and I'm very well established there. 
but I I thought I could do a winter in you know coming back and forth to Florida. <laughs> Excellent. And Which so let's I'm talk doing. about yeah. Uh, yeah, some of the events that were put together for this um, Dressage Canada fortnight. Um. Yep. Well, first I have my advisory team. Yes. And I brought in Dr. Volker Moritz. Okay. He's one of the only retired judges in the world that actually has done it all from absolute start to finish. He's owned, ridden, trained, um, it brought a famous horse like Ideal to the forefront. He's had a judging career of like 37 years. Uh, he's been an O judge for the last 20 years. Uh, he's president of the biggest horse show, the Mecca for dressage, which is Aachen. And he's been the president for the last 10 years. But what is so important about him is that he can sit down and he can say, okay, you've got, you know, you've got a problem that goes back to the basics and he knows how to give you an exercise to try to help that problem. And a lot of judges can say, no, you're doing it wrong, but they can't tell you how to fix it. Right. So that's right. where he's so important. And then I brought in, um, who else? I brought in Tara Whitham. She's the only person to be a five-star judge in both eventing and uh, dressage. And, I mean, she and I have known each other since we were 16. And so, and she, what she doesn't know isn't worth knowing, <laughs> so that's good. Then I asked the riders, I said, okay, if we're putting a team together, who would you like? And they, all of them said, well, the one we want wouldn't dare, wouldn't, but she's moved on. And I said, okay, give me your name. And it was Victoria Winter. And we had lunch. I phoned her from the States where we were and I yep. had lunch with her and, um, she agreed to come on board, even though she's now a lawyer and she has a child. But boy, she's been fantastic. And that was the rider's choice. So we're trying to bring everyone together as a team. I have to say, I love Dressage Canada. Christine Peters has been fantastic. And we just make a really good team. And we're having fun, which I believe is more important than anything. Yes, well, it sounds excellent. I've, I've seen all the uh, publicity around this dressage. Um, Canada Fortnite, and it sounds exciting, and all these great events going on. So, is there a way that people can find more information on it? Can you still register? Do you have to be a Dressage Canada member? I mean, that's a lot of questions, but um, I don't know, Christine. Do they have to be Canada Dressage members in order to register online? Nope, nope. Anyone can come. Anyone can Anyone go, can come and they can still register. And they can still register, and you see everything. We're keeping everything up. We had the media night last night, which was absolutely brilliant. And uh, Mason Phelps of, of Phelps Media turned around and threw a party for 85 people at the end of it as a welcome. So oh, awesome. it was just amazing. Yeah, That's, yeah. Sounds and like a lot of fun. So, the, so all this yeah, information can be found the on. Marketing man. Oh, yeah. Hmm? Yeah. He brought in the top branding guy from Troika. Uh, which is one of the biggest sports promotion companies in the U.S. Um, he brought in uh, Marty Bowman, who's done 35 years and done every Olympic and every world, and you know seven worlds in this country, and has done three Olympic games as press chief. So you know, and and we brought in um, Av uh, Ariel um, Wiseman from Altec to tell us how. You know how they see the sport and why they've become the biggest sponsor in the world through yeah, Alltech. They're now sponsoring yeah. Leg in Normandy. Yep. Yeah. So that was, and it was great. It was absolutely first rate. 
It sounds like you got all the top all the top people for this team and to to help uh, you know to help Dressage Canada, but also other people that are you down know, there yeah. in Wellington. Yeah, but you know what? We set a precedent too because we're just going for excellence everywhere, and it's amazing how many people are willing to help us. The horse world is a family, you know, and yeah. look at me, I'm Canadian and British, now Canadian again, <laughs> and I'm talking at the Global Forum, and there's Conrad Schumacher, who was my first trainer in British dressage, there's Stephen Clark, who came on head of judges to my newly formed board, there's Christoph Hess, who helped me set up the World Cup, you know, so we have no borders, it's all just one family as far as I see it. Yes, excellent, all, all striving towards common goal of you know, having fun well, and, and supporting yeah. teams yeah. and and making better riders and and uh, you know. Well, what a good I said time. to the riders last night is that we're trying to help you. We're starting with you, so we're looking to help you individually. Then you've got you know you can go from hero to zero in a nanosecond. Yeah. And what you've got to do is you've got to make sure that you can think properly. We did mock press uh, conferences and asked very awkward questions after we'd had this presentation from these four top guys. And then, um, but you know, but anyway, they have to look at that it's them. Then they've got to worry about team. They've got to worry about Canada dressage and our world status. Then the next thing they've got to think about is the sport of dressage worldwide. And then the last but not least is that the Olympics are our absolute apex and we have got to maintain our sport properly so we can remain within the Olympic movement. So it's a big picture, and it yeah. starts at home with the individual. Yeah, yeah. That, sound, that sounds excellent. That sounds excellent. So before, before I let you go here, Desi, is there uh, any upcoming things you know, uh, with Dressage Canada after the fortnight you'd like to, uh, you'd like to promote or talk well, about? Well, yes. Uh, we have a CDI in Toronto. We have a CDI in Toronto at the end of June in, is it called Angelstone? Yeah, Angelstone Farm. Angelstone. Yeah. Angelstone. And we're going to try to do a small fundraising dinner there. Uh, we're looking to do a great big mass ball uh, just before the Royal Winter Fair starts. But that's just very much in the planning process. But we're thinking that it's a perfect opportunity when everyone comes across Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so lots it sounds, of, yeah, you know, like, like lots are, is going got, on. I mean, yeah, Deborah uh, Kinzinger, who is the owner of David Marcus's horses, has taken over and set up something called CDAP, which is the Canadian Dressage uh, Athletes Assistance Program. And she's doing lots of fundraising things, and she's putting all the money back in to helping our, our athletes to achieve their personal best. I've only got 10 months or even less now right. to help our team from the time I started. And I can't make any changes anywhere other than to help every horse and rider do the very best of their ability. We need to get horses to that 70%. We are so close to getting the 70%. And I feel so encouraged by seeing them all. The proof will be in the pudding. The show starts tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. Well, it sounds excellent. You know, so we got five judges to help us, to, to tell us how we're actually doing. But I, we've got some fabulous horses, some fabulous riders. And it's just a matter of pulling the whole thing together. But as a team, we're having a ball, and we've had a great time with all the riders, the owners, the sponsors. And it's really a very big, happy family right now. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on the, on the show with us today to, uh, to tell us all about it. And hopefully we'll uh, talk to you in the future about uh, 
more upcoming plans and uh, and exciting things and opportunities. Glenn the Geek here. The life of horse person is hard enough, and we all hate doing the required paperwork, and unfortunately, many of us never get around to it, and it just piles up on our desk. That is about to change thanks to the Equisketch Records app for your iPhone or iPad. My wife and I use it to track our horses, and we absolutely love this thing. Equisketch Records is the most thorough and complete equestrian records app on the market today. We love this app because you can track your farrier work, your dental, your Coggins, medicines, worming, and so much more. And you can get reminders on your device when all of these things are due. You'll never forget a worming or shots or farrier visit again. But it not only tracks your horse, you can also manage your horse shows, including individual events. You can manage riders, including lessons and memberships and so much more. And you can sync it between your iPhone and your iPad, and all of this for the price of a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks. Search for Equisketch Records in the iOS App Store or go to equisketch.com. That's E-Q-U-I-S-K-E-T-C-H.com. Equisketch.com. Well, we are very excited today to have Jochen Schleysa. He is our Global Dressage Forum North America Speaker of the Week. Jochen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Jochen, you are going to speak at the forum on Saturday evening, um, and your topic is, Is Your Horse Suffering in Pain? Um, and mm-hmm. I, obviously, this is a topic very near and dear to all of our hearts. Not, nobody wants our horses to be in pain in regards to any equipment. And so can you talk to us a little bit about what you're going to be giving your lecture uh, at the forum? Yes. Um, the, the title actually is exactly the same title I use for my book, Suffering in Silence is a little bit different. And the undertitle is The Saddlefit Link to physical and psychological trauma to horses. And I met once a gentleman who said to me, the person who knows the how will always follow the person who knows the why. And I, I thought about it for a long time, and, and there's a lot of people, you have to do it this way because I say so, or this is how it's done. But when I come across some very experienced horse people, some of them trainers, and some of them veterinarians, and they start talking, this should be better, and it should be like that because of that reason. They explain the why, and not just because I say so. That was so impressive for me because I couldn't make that make sense. And you know, the best part was, it's not based on opinion. It's based on technology and science. Now, I grew up, there were no people who went to, with their horse to horse chiropractor, osteopath. And back then, we didn't talk about MRI for horses and tomography and all this stuff. So today, we have technology. What makes the guessing work disappear? Because this is the horse's nerves. This is where the horse's muscle atrophy, so here's where the shoulder really hurts because of what I can see with my technology tool. Back in the old days, hmm, could be coming from this point, could be coming from that. So there was more guessing than today we have facts. And that is what 
I like to show people because these are pure facts and the book was published by Trafalgar is also co-authored by other veterinarians who don't care what specific division you ride, if it's hunter, jumper, dressage, eventers, or even western, a horse doesn't choose to be a particular shape. Now, I find it particularly interesting for dressage horses because the rider connects so close with the horse. And what Andreas is doing is so fabulous because he gets so many fantastic speakers together. The speaker right in front of me, Eckhart Miners, who looks at it and says, hmm, we need to work on the rider as well. And in saddle fitting, it's a huge part, a huge part. Because if if I'm the rider and I'm a little bit uncomfortable in the saddle and I scoop myself away from the front or my seat bone hurts, I'm balancing myself to avoid my pain. And I'm not necessarily doing this uh, on purpose, consciously. I have a lot of sensitivity in my fingertips, but as humans, we have way more sensitivity in the never region, <laughs> in the area where I'm sitting on. And um, so subconsciously leaning back because you don't want to burn and rub and hurt and bleed. Dr. James Watson wrote the book, The Writer's Pain-Free Back, and it was fascinating to hear and to, to read that there's a many riders, mainly women, who have chronic bladder and kidney infection from back saddles and hip and knee problems and L4 and L5 disc issue. Now, these are long-term damages, but put yourself into the position of the rider. We love our horse. We do the best we can. But if I'm not quiet in the saddle, or I don't be flexible enough, then I don't do a good job for my horse. And that's what I love about the Global Dressage Forum. Andreas puts his expert together right in front of me is Eckert Miners from Germany, who talks about the flexibility of the rider and proper, how the body works. And then comes the product, the saddle. And if I sit in a gender non-appropriate saddle, let me explain that a little bit. Men make saddles for men since four and a half thousand years. But women are the majority of the rider since 20 years or so. Men who don't have birth channel, and men have a longer tailbone, and our hip socket and our pelvis axis is in the middle so that the male rider is more balanced. And even though the whole saddle is made to a pelvis, what looks in the imprint of the saddle like a V. Now, if I look at a female pelvis, birth channel, pelvis axis further forward, has a little different hip socket. This all was totally foreign for me, even after I made already over 15 years saddles. Here comes this down a corner to this with two plastic pelvises and tells me all these features. Now, the rider from today has an option. Do I buy a saddle where my pelvis gets jammed into a V, such as a male saddle, or do I buy a saddle where my seat is curved more like a U, like a nice big U? So I see uh, the help with Andreas, uh, many horses, dressage horses will be helped if the rider sits more comfortable. For the horse, it's uh, very close to my heart because I lost my best friend because of equipment. 
Now that was back then in 78 to 81. I rode for the German team as a three-day event rider as a junior team. And we took our horse to all these different uh, trainers and all these different uh, universities. Check out why is he lame under the front left. So it ended up that we had to block him to figure out what the problem was. We put this massive cream onto the shoulder. And right there on the shoulder, uh, after three weeks or so, all the infection got away. We waited another three months. I rode. I said, oh, I have my horse back. But what happened was that the tree was literally crippling his cartilage on his left shoulder. Now, the question comes to my mind now, why don't we know this as riders? And why do we not know this as saddle makers? Answer is very easy. Here's that question, why again? How I started the interview with you two. Why? Because in the old days, people who grew up with horses did saddles. Today, saddle making is a huge industry, and many of saddle makers never see the horse or doesn't ride. It doesn't make them a bad rider. It just doesn't understand the anatomy. It doesn't get taught. Today, a different situation through the help with Andreas and the Global Dressage Forum or the, with the USDF or with the German National Riding Center. We make this a need to know. It's a course what is going to be a, not just a course, it's going to be a profession in four years in Germany. It's called Equine, Equine Agronomist. Now, what do I want to achieve and what do I want to get across the Global Dressage Forum? I like to show Every horse rider who loves the horse and is concerned about, oh, wow, is that really my gender-appropriate saddle? How do I recognize that this saddle will really fit me? Very easy. Very couple points I can point out. And number two, how can I make sure my saddle will fit my horse while he's trained and get more muscles? So with little slideshows, with short little movie clips, and with a live horse, we make it very visible for every rider to say, wow, it's really not rocket science. What he's showing us here is that the saddle should not hit on negative reflex points on the horse. One of them, we're not going in all the five negative reflex points, but I'll give you one tip. One of them is right underneath the D-ring of the saddle in the front part. It's called cranial nerve 11. Since 35 million years, the stallion, when they fight, they go and bite either on the bottom of the neck or on top of the withers. When the stallion mounts the mare, he bites her in the neck because that nerve, when he bites her there in that nerve around the withers, that the, the shoulders will be blocked. It's a reflex point like the doctor should be lower your kneecap and your leg goes forward. So that reflex point will tighten the back muscle, which rotates the pelvis open, and he can breathe her. The only thing what has the force like the stallion's back is a metal plate which is in the saddle. hundred years ago, it was a must for every soldier, and it's the first thing the officers told their soldiers, move the horse hair and the deer hair, or pad your saddle away from that negative reflex point, and your horse will not go hollow in the back or will not want to go forward and won't bite you when you're girth. 
So these negative reflex points I will show at the global dressage point, and it's really easy. It, it's a lot of information. I realize this, and that's why I have this book where everybody can read up. We have tons of videos free. People can buy them, but they're free on our website, com or saddlefit.com. And we really want to bring across that horse and riders could be such a more harmony together because the horse wants to please us. It doesn't want to bite us or it doesn't want to not work. It's in their nature to accept us as their alpha male, but doesn't understand why are you hitting me for my negative reflex point. Does that make sense to you, Reese? Yeah, that's great. And we really appreciate Jochen, you coming on and, and giving this discussion. I think it is wonderful. You also gave this uh, also at the USCF. Um, and, and it's very helpful for everybody to learn. And, you know, we can read your book, Suffering in Silence, before the forum. And I hope everyone will be able to come by and see you at the forum and listen to your lecture. And you're very, very easy to talk to. And um, so I, I really appreciate your time. So, Jochen, if people want to want to get some more information about you and also the book, where do they find that online? Um, Trafalgar has that or Amazon carries the book. And on our website, schleser.com or saddlefitforlife.com is saddlefit, one word, and then the number four, and then life.com. Great. You can um, click right there. You will find it. And before I forget, I forgot to mention one little thing. Many people say to me, why, why do you teach other saddle fitters? Why do you teach other saddle makers? You're giving all the secrets away. Right there is where my blood pressure was really high. And I look at him in the eye and say, this is not my secret or knowledge to keep. A, everything I show them is online, on books. Second, if we would work together, all the trainers, all the saddle makers, I think not only do we have a chance we have a chance to be a little bit more competitive and the horses last longer. The horses, I mean, think about ballroom dancing. If you want to shove your partner around, it looks ugly. Good dancer, they they float over the floor. Good riders, they have the intention, but here's that stupid stupid tool called saddle, which could hit one of the negative reflex bands. And the poor rider doesn't even know what's happening. That's the t- title, Suffering in Silence. And right. I'm, I'm enjoying it tremendously working with other saddle makers, other veterinarians and trainers, because there's so many horses would need their help, and I only have two hands. I can't be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And at the end of the day, we're all in it for the horses and for their comfort. And so we, it's a wonderful way. And I think that's really the whole idea of the Global Dressage Forum North America is sharing ideas and sharing information with other professionals uh, on all facets of the industry. So we look forward, Philip and I are coming. We look forward to seeing you down there. And we hope that all our listeners will come and see us as well. So Jochen, thanks so much. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Top dressage horses are like athletes. There's a whole team of people involved in their training. From- it's time for the Dressage Radio Show Weekly Training Tip, brought to you by Fleeceworks. 
designers and manufacturers of top quality pure Australian merino wool saddle pads and accessories for your equine teammate. Well, we are so very excited to have a good friend of both Philip and mine, Megan McIsaac. She's an FEI rider and trainer from Wisconsin. Hi, Megan. How are you? I am. I'm a little cold now, but otherwise, I'm fabulous. <laughs> I wish I was still in Florida. <laughs> I was gonna say you have a great report for us, and sadly, you are back up north with Philip and I, and it is the same temperature <laughs> in Wisconsin as it is in Kentucky right now. Which I we know Philip is cold, but the fact that I'm the same temperature as you is really a very very sad. That doesn't thing. make much sense, really. No. If I know anything about <laughs> no. geography, no, exactly. <laughs> So we are not happily recording a little early today because I'm not riding today. It is way too cold. It's negative two in Kentucky, and I am just not game for that. Um, but, Megan, we need some inspiration. You just got back from the USDF FEI Trainers Conference, and we wanted you to kind of come on the show and talk to us a little bit about what happened down there. You bet. It was awesome. Uh, it was Stefan Peters and Scott Hassler uh, and... Um, I think there were seven riders, and it was just really inspirational. Um, the main theme um, of the entire day was taking each individual horse and rider and finding the right frame and tempo to gain better access to our horses mentally, as well as developing better throughness, suppleness, and engagement. Um and it was located at High Meadow Farm in Loxahatchee, Florida. Um, Mary Ann McPhail hosted, and I didn't realize she's hosted it for 10 years. And it's just a beautiful facility. Really awesome. Um, and uh, I have to just kind of make a little plug because um, the sponsors, Succeed, USCF, Equus, um, Saddle Fit for Life, um, and all the volunteers, like for food and chairs, was dressage for kids, a winter intensive training program, and horse, of course. And I was lucky enough to go down with uh, Judge Jane Ayers, and um, I was able to sit between Jane and Carol Lavelle and just listen to their conversation. And it was so I felt like I was in VIP seating. Not only did I have Scott and um, Stefan. It was just a great training opportunity. And so the advice I came home with, um, I'll just kind of list it out. Um, and it's take-home advice, I think, for everyone. And um, Scott always says, you know, be your horse's coach and coach with composure. And I felt like every time uh, Stefan gets on and rides the horses, He's just a great example of this. He's so inspiring, and it's just so addicting to watch. And he's, you know, if there's a training problem, for instance, one of these horses was very nervous about the people, and he kept spooking, and Stefan took the time to just hand walk and let the horse see all the people. Uh, and then he got on and walked again. And so he didn't just put the horse right to work. He really took the time, and I think that's a major, major thing for everyone to take home. Um, another thing is, is you know, dressage for for Stefan. He said at the end of the day, um, he's looking for harmony and that everything is effortless. And he's just a 
everything he does, every work he gets on, it's just a great example. So I felt fortunate, and he got on most of the horses, um, and it just is so inspiring. Um, let me go down my list um, of other things that I saw and wrote down. Um, the horse needs to come first. Uh, we need to explore options um, if they're confused. And it's thinking about not giving aids, but asking them questions um, and getting our horses to become more uh, comfortable and let go. And we as riders, we really need to ask ourselves, did we really have a purpose with that training session? Um, What was the purpose? What was the goal? Did we get through to our horses? Um, Another interesting thing was, you know, these were fabulous horses, and one of them was a extremely powerful and what was nice to see is you know Stefan didn't just get on and focus on the hind leg it was about does this horse really understand our half halt and does he respect it rather than just running off and he's he's beautiful but can he come back can we use our transition and rather than he was a big horse he was almost 18 hands Rather than letting him know his power, does he respect us first? So he actually worked on um, the transitions. And then um, another key thing, too, because I know in all of the lessons I've ever had, it's about the hind leg and the lessons that I give, focusing on that hind leg. But before we ask for more hind leg, we need to ask, how is our horse using his top line? Is he truly supple and swinging before we start to push for more. Um, And in the warm-up, he went, you know, testing how little aid can we use um, and how does our horse react. Um, For an example, just cantering, can we bring our horse to the pirouette canter sooner? And is it easy or do we really have to pull and push? Um, If it's that complicated, that's something we need to work on before we go even further. Um, Scott Hassler, he's always so positive. And some of his advice was ride to own it. Own that partnership with our horse. Um, You know, along the lines of staying with being that coach. Um, Be proactive, not reactive. Inspiring our horses. Putting energy into our horses rather than taking them taking that energy away from them. Um, uh, Stefan uh, touched upon, you know, training is really like how we train in the gym. It's about muscle memory. So it's very important that um, each transition, we're really analyzing, was that a good enough transition? Um, The other interesting thing that I saw themed throughout, and this was just my observation, is that he picked up the canter much sooner with all of these horses. And the majority of the lessons were built in the canter. And um, his thought on that was about um, teaching the horse um, engagement. And with the canter um, biomechanics, you go right to that. And I thought that was really interesting because in some lessons that I've had or even taught, you know, we use up our horse in the trot, and then by the time we get to the canter, the horse is exhausted, and it was, I really enjoyed that. Um, another thing I came away with, um, when we're having problems with the changes, the flying changes, that is, 
I always knew is probably the quality of the canter, but it's also sometimes the horse is just figuring out the coordination of his own body and giving him time to do that and really analyzing what is the problem um, in that situation. Um, let's see here. Um, Megan, maybe if I could just jump in here quickly. Uh, I'd like to return um, to what you said was kind of the major theme and talk a little bit about maybe you could um the you know find each individual horse's right frame and and rhythm and maybe you can elaborate a little bit on on that because i think that we know that every horse is an individual and every horse is um you know needs to be trained a little bit just you know a little bit differently give us some examples of of what to do if you you've got different types of horses maybe it's you know some of that that you learned um, you bet. Um, one of the horses um, was the big horse that I was talking about um, was just using his frame against his rider. And um, uh, when Stefan got on, he actually took that horse a little bit, what most people would say, a little bit too deep and low and behind the vertical um, because that was a comfortable place for him uh rather than what he wanted to do was raise his head up and lock his entire body against that rider and zoom off with all of his power. Um, also slowing that tempo down um, to find his balance before just pushing him forward and through that. Um, let me look at some of my notes. Um some horses uh, were a little bit too short in the bridle, um, sometimes working with a double bridle and some of the collection, they became too short. And so there was a lot of changes within the frame. So giving those horses a break and going to a longer frame and really testing to see if um, can that horse relax? And so it was also about changing the frame. So rather than just bringing them up to the show frame, sometimes taking them a little bit longer and deeper. Uh, as well as, um, you know, when we, we think of our warm-up, we don't always want to do the same warm-up. And a lot of times, you know, we've been told, let's do that long and low. We have to get to the long and low. So it's not... You know, taking that individual horse, maybe this horse is more on the forehand, why why do that long and low? Maybe take that horse up into a shorter frame. So those are two two examples of that um, that I saw over the weekend. I'm looking at my notes. So, Megan, overall, I mean, you've seen Scott and, um, and Stefan at least twice, correct? Yeah. What was what was you know seeing them again? I mean, tell us a little bit about what it was like to see them again for the second or third time together. Um, in terms of what I learned, or just their rapport together, they're both. I mean, they're both. I mean, they're really great um, because Stefan um, typically rides the horses, and um, you just. They're very supportive of one another, but they can also disagree on things. You know, um, usually they're pretty similar in training style, um, but it's so great to see them over and over again because 
um, they're both so positive. And, you know, Stefan just reminded me again, like, I don't think I'm using as light of AIDS as I could with um, some of my training horses. I can't wait to get on and go, oh, yeah, I'm I'm asking too much. Um, and then Scott, of course, is always like, I just always lead the, the clinic with such a positive attitude. I'm re-energized to come home and bring that to my horses and bring that to my um, students. Um, does that does that answer that question? Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I mean that's that's excellent. I wanted to thank you, Megan, for coming on and giving us you know your little perspective and uh, report about uh, the the training co- conference. And uh, you know we can we can tell from your voice how ex- you know how excited you are to to um, you know use what you've learned and uh, and come home and ride your horses. And I think you know we all do that. We always need a, a bit of a break from our own barn to kind of gain perspective and and get inspired and uh you know of course wellington is a is a great place to do that megan if people want to find you you know in in wisconsin or or talk to you uh, how how can they do that um they can look me up on the internet um i have a website it's lindenhoff.com and that's spelled l-i-n-d-i-n-h-o-f.com they're welcome to email me or call my number is 608 Four four five eight five three one, and I'd love to talk about dressage. Well, Phil, it was great to be kind of every like to say back in the saddle here at the <laughs> Horse Radio Network uh, after I was gone for two weeks. So hopefully everybody enjoyed the shows, and it's just sort of nice. I am hoping that for most of the country, it warms up so we can actually ride. Yeah, that would be nice, huh? <laughs> it would be very nice. All my horses were all kind of looking at each other, but happy not to really take the blankets off and get working. So we're supposed to warm up a little bit over the weekend. I think at least we'll get two good days, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to hit 32. Wow. Almost, and almost, yeah. I almost know. warm. <laughs> Bust out the T-shirts. Yeah. Um, well, next week, Phil, we are off. So I hope you enjoy the week. I'm going to miss you. I was just getting back in routine. But uh, next week's the Paris show, and then we will get back together early February, um, and we will have more discussion on the Global Dressage Forum North America. How does that sound? That sounds awesome. Um, you know, we've got some great guests that we're trying to line up, so um, hopefully our listeners are ex- as excited as we are about it, and, uh, you know, just looking forward to it. Exactly. Well, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is MapleCrestFarmKY, and my email is Reese at HorseRadioNetwork.com. You can find me at PhilipParksEquestrian.com, and my email is Philip at HorseRadioNetwork.com. I'd like to thank our great sponsors for allowing us to put on another great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. 